0: I just want to encourage you before I get into the word today because the word today um, is going to challenge you but I believe also inspire you and people need to understand that God is answering prayer even in difficult circumstances and the first thing I want to do is uh, I want to take the opportunity to honor the gift of the word of knowledge in my wife, Kerry, Pastor Kerry. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult in a setting like this to kind of uh, to sometimes get the feedback about what actually happens when words of knowledge are ministered. Lucas, you'll need to take some of the top end off this and starting the feedback. Um, but I just want to share a testimony with you um, about what happened on Friday night. So my, my wife Kerry gave a series of words of, and, uh, words of knowledge and one of them was for somebody who had a problem with their eyes perpetually kind of weeping. And when Irene came into church this morning, uh, our worship uh, leader, uh, Irene, came in this morning, she shared the testimony with me that all week her, her eyes had been weeping continually, weeping continually, just a leak of... of fluid from her eyes and she wasn't even watching the live stream she watched it a little bit later so I want to encourage you uh in this matter of the word of knowledge you could go back to that live stream from Friday night and watch it now if you missed out on it look at the end there's some words of knowledge given one of them might be for you and you might have what happened to you that happened to Irene which is that her eyes completely cleared up as she received by faith And so uh, we understand that God um, has not forgotten us. He has not um, cast us aside just because our nation is going through some difficulty at the moment doesn't mean his people are not provided for. So I want to share some testimonies with you about God's provision in difficulty. And like I've got a, man, I, I stopped at I think half a dozen here because we've had so many over the last, ever since the lockdown started. So the first one was there's a, a, a somebody, it's, some of these I need to keep a degree of privacy around so I'll just share it as best I can. Somebody had a very significant need and were reluctant to receive provision for that need unless they knew it was from the Lord. And they actually had a vision about the type of person that was going to provide for them. Simultaneously, the person who was destined to provide for them was walking past um, their banking institution and got this urge to go in and take some money out, physical money, for, to meet that need. Now, it needed to be physical money for a reason that doesn't matter. Um, and those two things came together so that that need was met. That person was fasting and praying, asking the Lord to provide for them and the provision was met. Not only that, the person that went into the bank um, went in and wondered why um, when they went into the bank there was virtually nobody else there. And so they went in, they did their transaction, they took the money, they came out of the bank, they walked past the same bank about 20 minutes later and the place was chock-a-block full of people. And not only that, but they got a text message from the Department of Health saying, um, you were in the in the bank in a time zone when uh, a known COVID case was in the bank. And so you need to get tested. And I just said to that person, you're negative. Forget about it. Just go and have your test. It's going to come back clear. And that's exactly what happened. God is still on the throne and he is still looking after the needs of his people. Uh, we have somebody else who had just landed a new job And uh, there was, you know, the the place went into lockdown, they didn't know if they were going to be able to work. All of a sudden, out of the blue, they were told they can work from home. And I had somebody else who had invoiced um, a business for their services, I think it was two years ago, and never been paid. (laughs) And this week, they got paid from something that they'd completely thought, oh, you know, I've given up on that. Um, I know for me personally, I still have a small business that runs in the background and I was having a huge difficulty um, with a particular <laughs> with a particular client and uh, I felt the Lord say to me, I'm going to show you my glory in this situation, John. And so I just waited on the Lord in faith that he was going to provide and I want to tell you it took some time and this particular client had never ever paid me on time and I had a significant financial need, and in this particular scenario, they paid me before the invoice was due. Somebody else, in our, as a, a, a member of our congregation, um, was offered full-time employment as a result of the area that they were serving in. And uh, they they just got given a great, not just employment opportunity, but career opportunity just because they were serving in an area that actually equipped them for this career path. Praise God for that. Somebody else was offered full-time employment just as their self-imposed break (laughs) was over and they didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden they got the phone call, we want you back working here full-time. I want to tell you that God's arm has not been shortened. He is providing for you. You might not see the provision in your in your bank account right in this second, but I want to tell you and speak over you that God is providing. His arm has not been shortened and will not be shortened. Try shortening the arm of God. Tell me how you go. <laughs> And I'm sharing these testimonies with you because I have a bit of a challenging word to share with you. Because I believe that when the word of God is ministered, we should be simultaneously challenged and inspired. And part of uh, part of the uh, the amazing thing about the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament was that in the Ark of the Covenant was evidence of God's dealings. That's why it was sometimes called the Ark of the testimony, because there was the, the, the rod that miraculously buttered. There was the manna. There was things in there that uh, showed Israel of God's faithfulness to provide for them. So this week, early this week, um, I was reading my Bible, and I was in this particular passage. And something jumped out at me and I felt like God really wanted me to minister to us all today out of the book of Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah can be a very challenging book because Jeremiah was the last prophet to uh, the nation of Judah before God's judgment fell. But I want you to see some things in here because they apply to you and they apply to me. And so in this uh, period of Jeremiah, we're going uh, into Jeremiah chapter 36 today. And this is towards the end of this great period of Jeremiah's prophecies against the nation of Judah. And he is coming under ever-increasing pressure and persecution because he stands for the holiness of God without compromise. And most of the prophetic voices of his day have compromised under pressure from the culture around them. And the last righteous king of Judah, the great reformer Josiah, has passed away. And it was under Josiah's uh, rule that Jeremiah was raised up by God into his prophetic office. And throughout the reign of Josiah, when there was great reform and revival in Judah, um, God allowed Jeremiah to see a measure of what could happen within the heart of a nation when revival came. And then Josiah passed away And from there things began to deteriorate very rapidly. Josiah's son Jehoiakim in in, uh, Jeremiah chapter 36 is now on the throne of Judah and he has embraced all the evil of his forefathers. And Jeremiah in this season is being used by God to prophesy that Judah has broken their covenant with God, particularly under this king, and the judgment is coming in the form of Babylon and the Chaldeans. The Chaldean is regarded the race from which Babylon uh, draws its armies. And this judgment is imminent. In Jeremiah chapter 36, we're pretty much at the fulfilment of 400 years of Israel and Judah's rebellion against God ever since they had their first king. And so in chapter 36, the Lord commands Jeremiah to put together all his prophecies in a scroll. He wants it all written down in the hope that Judah will respond. And if those prophecies had not been written down, I would not be able to preach this word to you today. So Jeremiah 36, starting at verse 1, says that It came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah even to this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. And something jumps out at me there where it says all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them. That word purpose is the Hebrew word hasad, which means to weave together or to fabricate, to bring something together that's quite complex. God had made a decision about the apostasy of the nation and he was giving them one more opportunity to repent. And there is an aspect of Jeremiah's uh, prophetic ministry that we all need to get hold of. And that is that the primary role within the office of the prophet is to bring the people that are receiving your word into a place of repentance. That's the primary role of the prophet, whether old covenant or new covenant. The office of the prophet is to bring people into a place of repentance. That doesn't mean every time you get a prophetic word from the Lord, you are throwing yourself on the carpet um, in tears of, of travailing because of the death of your sin. The New Testament gives us the word metanoia in Greek for repentance, which means a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of direction of your life. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. And so you can have a challenging word from the Lord. A prophetic voice can speak into your life that corrects you big time. But it is for your good and for his glory. And so uh, I've often said that uh, prophecy without a redemptive purpose is not really prophecy because God's heart is always to restore. God's heart is always to redeem. That's why he sent Jesus, to redeem us from our sins. That's why when we take communion as we just did, we can take upon ourselves the healing that was purchased for us by the incredible suffering that Jesus went through. We can have our freedom and our deliverance because of the power of the blood of Jesus. And Jesus said, here, take and eat of my body, drink of my blood, that you might be restored because I've done this for you. And so Jeremiah's response to this word that the Lord gives him, uh, he gets his uh, his scribe Baruch um, to write down all the words, all the prophetic words that he's received. So pretty much all of the book of Jeremiah is contained in this scroll. And all the people of Judah, uh, it is the intention of God that that all the people of Judah should hear the contents of the scroll. And so he instructs him to take it to the temple on a specific fasting day so that all the crowds would hear. Now you've got to remember that this is a season four years into Jehoiakim's reign where Judah has turned their back on God and they've thrown themselves into the sins of their forefathers And this speaks something to me that crowds and crowds of people would turn up to the temple on a fasting day and the fact that Judah was in apostasy and yet turning up in multitudes for fasting days tells us that it was more about religious observance than it was a genuine heart for the ways of God. There is a difference between religious observance and having a heart for the things of the Lord. Because having a heart for the things of the Lord will inevitably lead you into a choice of obedience to his ways and not the world's. And there is a dividing line there and so many in our generation are crossing it. And so in Jeremiah 36, 7, it goes on to say, and this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah, it may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord has pronounced against his people. Why was God angry with them? They turned away from him. And they turned away from him in many of the ways that our generation is turning now. And here is the thing that simultaneously amazes me and yet leads me unsurprised, and that is, that is that through all that period of the kings of Israel, 400 years, God sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, and said, "Who's?" And they came with the word of the Lord, and they'd say, "This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen." This is going to happen. But if you do this, this is going to happen. 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 And they were right. And yet the weight of evidence of God's ability to provide for his people was not enough to sway the nations of Israel and Judah from their purpose. And not only did their warnings fall upon deaf ears, even in the face of imminent destruction because the Babylonians, the Chaldeans were virtually at the gates of Jerusalem by this time. Even their knowledge that the words of the prophets were coming true in their lifetime was not enough to sway them. You know, more than a 100 years before Jeremiah, in this particular instance, there was a prophet named Isaiah who ministered to a king named Hezekiah. And because of Hezekiah's mistake in exposing the riches of Jerusalem and the temple to the king of Babylon, Isaiah came to him and he said this, This is Isaiah 39, 5-7. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. My goodness, and now we come forward a 100 years and the sons, the grandsons of that king, Hezekiah, are about to go into captivity. All the warnings are coming through and still there is not repentance. And in fact, uh, well, we'll see that there's, there's not just a lack of repentance here. Jerusalem was under direct threat from Babylon and the Chaldean armies. Uh, Israel was already in captivity in Babylon. Babylon. The prophets' warnings were all coming through, but still the nation would not repent. So Baruch went to the gate of the temple on one of the main fasting days in Judah at the gate of the temple in Jerusalem and read the scroll to the crowds who were coming. And as he was reading out God's proclamation about um, how Judah needed to re- repent from their sins, Baruch as he was reading out the scroll was heard by one of the princes of Judah one of the, those who were its kind of second in command and so he went to the other princes and he said to them um, I think we need to have a listen to what this guy Baruch is preaching to the crowds and so the princes of Judah below the king come to Baruch and they say we want to see this scroll. And so he brings the scroll to them and they all read it together. And they are horrified by what God has to say is a, is about to happen to their nation. And so once they've heard it all, they decide that the king must hear it. And so in Jeremiah 36, we're still in 36, starting from verse 20, it says this. They went to the king into the court But they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the hearing of the king. So now the king has heard what's in the scroll. So the king sent Jehudi to bring the scroll and he took it from Elishama the scribe's chamber and Jehudi read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Now this is a critical moment in the history of the nation because now... In this reading, the release of the prophetic word of God is coming straight to the king's ears and it is his responsibility to respond. And this is how he responds. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. And it happened when Jehudi had read three or four columns, you know a scroll like the, the, when they wrote out they scroll it was like a scroll, and they read from right to left and there 's column after column there would have been i don 't know how many columns in this particular scroll, but it was very long. He only got through three or four columns of the reading. It says it happened when Jehudi had read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe 's knife. He took the knife from the scribe and he cut the scroll. And cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan, Deleah and Gemariah, I'm probably not pronouncing these right. These were some of the princes who were loyal to God, implored the king not to burn the scroll but he would not listen to them. Why am I sharing this story with you? This story is a prophetic picture of the time that we live in. The prophet here, Jeremiah, is the remnant church. The scroll is the word of God. The king is representative of those who rule the nations of the earth in opposition to the word of God. As our voice and the practice of our faith becomes increasingly marginalised, God is not asking for our silence. He is asking for our voice to be raised once more for the sake of those yet to come into the kingdom in a final harvest before the return of of Jesus and the judgment of God upon the earth and upon its nations and this is where I want you to take courage because uh, it's obvious that the king is extremely angry at this point the man in authority over the nation. He does not want to hear this prophecy. He does not want the prophet to have a voice in the nation. And so in verse 26, it says this, The king commanded Jeremiah, the king's son, Saraiah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah the son of Abdel, to seize Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet, but the Lord hid them. The Lord hid them. I want you to understand that the prophetic voice of the church cannot be silenced outside God's will. And that this is not a time for silence from those of us who see what is happening in the spiritual realm in our nation and in the nations of the world. God will do whatever he needs to do to ensure the prophetic voice is not silenced. You cannot shut God's mouth. You cannot silence his word. It cannot return to him void. It must accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. What happens to any of us who name Jesus and Lord as Lord and Saviour is not up to man it's up to God this is why I shared these testimonies of encouragement with you before because even though we are in a season uh, of, uh, of great spiritual significance No generation before us has been in the position that we are. And yet God would say to you out of the words of Jeremiah himself that he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb and he destined you to be on the planet carrying his word in this season. And I was considering this during the week and I'm thinking, God, is this the right time to to share this word because um, I'm sure that people in our church want a word of hope and encouragement and, you know, build them up and all this. But but I've got to tell you, the word of God builds you up when you submit to it, not when you pick and choose what you want to hear. And uh, I was having a conversation with one of our prophets, Margaret, during the week and um And she reminded me of a prophetic word that she had a few weeks ago where she said, there will be a time to hide, but it's not yet. I want to tell you that when it's time to hide, God will hide us. (laughs) Under the shadow of his wings. If we are to step into revival... The revival that is going on around the world, as we heard on Friday night, carries amazing message about what's happening in Iran and in India in places that are being devastated by COVID-19 and by spiritual oppression and all the rest of it. Yeah, God is building a magnificent ecclesia in those places. Even as we speak, we need an eternal worldwide perspective to see what God is doing across the nations because He wants to do it here and He wants to do it through us. Our voice must be strong and unwavering. So when Jeremiah finds out that the king has commissioned these people to hunt him down and to hunt down his scribe, no doubt to silence him, what is his response? Because his response speaks to us. Verse 27. Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words which Baruch had written at the instruction of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Take yet another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll which Jehoiakim the king of Judah has burned. And so there's his first instruction, these Words of the Lord need to be written down and captured for posterity. One of the reasons that he did this was so that we would be encouraged today by reading of his witness. And then verse 29, And you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, How many of you have said, Lord, give us boldness? (laughs) If no, I can't see you in the natural. Just give me a wave if you've, if, you've, if you've ever prayed for boldness in your life. What does boldness look like? This is what boldness looks like. Let me tell you. You shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, thus says the Lord. You have burned this scroll saying, why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from here? Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah. This is the message that Jeremiah delivered to the king. Thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will punish him, his family and his servants for their iniquity and I will bring on them, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them, but they did not heed. That's what boldness looks like. But our message has an extra edge to it in that we offer a message of hope to even those who have persecuted the bride of Jesus. I'm thinking of the testimony that Kerry shared on Friday night of all those imams in one of those nations of the Middle East that came to a Christian pastor and said, give us Bibles because we're sick of ISIS and we don't want to follow this religion anymore. And so they were given copies of the Bible, the Word of God. This, This scroll is part of the word that they were given. And these 400 imams lifted up those Bibles, opened them and placed them upon their heads to say that they would submit to this word. And some of these imams would have been people who persecuted and killed Christians, I have no doubt. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch, the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it all the instruction of Jeremiah who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire and besides there were added to them many similar words. And here's something that I want you to see because you can say to yourself, well, you know, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a public spokesperson. I'm not somebody that speaks to kings. Neither was Baruch. The reason that I can quote from Jeremiah this morning is because Baruch played his part. He was a scribe. Now there were different types of scribes in the Old Testament. Some of them had great authority, but essentially a scribe started out as a secretary. Like if I said to if I had a secretary and I said to that secretary, "Here, take a memo." <laughs> That's the role that this particular scribe played but in becoming jeremiah's scribe he became a little more than he bargained for because this guy who was a secretary really yet it was he who was not just entrusted with inscribing the words of jeremiah the book of jeremiah that we read in freedom today he was not just entrusted with inscribing these words he had to take those words and take it to the gate of the temple in front of a multitude of people and read out the proclamation of the Lord. When he became Jeremiah's scribe, he didn't sign up to be a preacher. When you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't sign up to be a preacher either, but God says you are. We all have a part to play. Every single person who can hear my voice has a sphere of influence. You are the voice crying in the wilderness of your sphere of influence. The time of silence is over. There is great wickedness in our day, in our nation. I have no doubt in my heart that if our nation was to call a day of prayer and fasting, and if we would weep and travail before the Lord in repentance of our sins, some of which I will enumerate in a minute, God would turn from his wrath over our nation because God's destiny for our nation is that we become a prophetic nation to the other nations, that he wants to raise up revival in this nation and export it to all the corners of the earth. There is great wickedness in our generation in this nation. But our increasingly secular nation refuses to recognise this. And by the way, if we had a day of national prayer and fasting, I have no doubt that COVID would be turned back. Our increasingly secular nation refuses to recognise our wickedness and has embraced a demonic version of secular humanism that is in itself a religion because it bows only to creation and not the creator. Let me give you some examples. The biblical standard that God holds true for us in the matter of raising a family is under attack through adultery, through divorce, through abortion, through promiscuity, through all kinds of sexual perversion, just look anywhere in Leviticus 18 and you'll see what God's standards are, sexual perversion and sexual and gender confusion. Free speech is being censored and cancelled culture rules. If you don't believe me, just ask Israel Folau, who is now playing rugby in Japan because there is not a football code in America that really willingly wants to accept him back for quoting from the Bible. I see a creeping authoritarianism in our state and federal governments with a compliant and complicit media. Media in our day is morphing into propaganda machines and the social media space is ruled by big tech companies. Anybody that I know who has... Even put the word "Covid" in a Facebook post, whether in support of our government or in opposition to it, will automatically get a little disclaimer from Facebook applied to what they have posted. This is not uh, this is not the free speech that our forefathers fought for and died for. Let me also note that the the uh, The office, if you like, of the journalist, the profession of the journalist, um, has always supposed to have had attached to it a degree of integrity. Journalists are employed to ask tough questions, not just parrot what they have been told. We are being besieged by woke indoctrination the church of jesus christ needs to be awakened awakening is different to awakening awakening is a celebration of things that the god that the god of the bible does not stand for And this indoctrination is aimed increasingly at our children and our following generation's future is at stake. Now, these are all very serious matters. And it's not my intention to dig into some of the specifics here because once you get into the specifics of this, you're opening up the realm of opinion. I'm not here to give you my opinion. I'm here to give you the word of God. And the word of God to us all today is that the time for silence is over and that our witness of Jesus Christ as the only hope of the world is the most important thing that we carry. And it is time for us to raise that voice in whatever way is open to us. That's why uh, in the middle of this lockdown, I've pressed forward with being able to uh, ensure that the ministry of our church reaches as many ears As I prepared to listen, we have a responsibility for the word of God to go forth, to give people an opportunity to worship in an atmosphere that invites the spirit of the Lord to come and transform and give hope. We have a responsibility to speak into people's lives through the miraculous word of knowledge. We have a a, a mandate from God to release healing and salvation to those who are in desperate straits and don't understand that there is one answer and his name is jesus it's easy to get overwhelmed by the enormity of what we face in this season but i have good news because the lord reminded me of this promise as i got to this point in preparing my message i'm going god where do I go with this? Now he gave me a prophetic word and he's also given me something out of Scripture. And uh, as I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to do with this message? What do you want to do in the hearts of those who hear this message? And I heard him speak the words of 2 Chronicles sixteen nine: The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Loyalty to God can be achieved in an instant if you're not loyal now. It can be achieved simply by repenting of any way in which you have been disloyal and coming back into loyalty. And when you come back into loyalty, faith and hope arise in your heart and you have the courage to do what God intends for you to do because the eyes of the Lord that run to and fro across the earth, they're looking for you. They're looking for me. They're looking for us so that we might know that his eyes are upon us and when his eye is upon you, you have nothing to fear. Perhaps perhaps you are reluctant. (laughs) Perhaps you are reluctant to step into a battle that seems way too big for you. You're not the first and you won't be the last. Think of Gideon, for instance. God is not done. His arm is not shortened. His favour is upon you and upon your children and upon your children's children, even in a time of adversity. Hence the testimonies that I shared earlier, because those testimonies are hard evidence of God's favour in adversity. You will not be moved. I felt the Lord asked me to say this specifically. You will not be moved if you choose to stand. And once you choose to stand, He's the one that's going to move you. You will not be moved by your situation. You will not be moved by the enemy. You will not be moved by circumstances. You will not be moved by COVID or financial problems. You will be moved by the Lord himself when you choose to stand. And the word of God is your standard. If you stand on the word of the Lord, you will be led by the spirit of the Lord. Don't be afraid to take up the mantle that God has specifically fashioned for you in this hour. God has fashioned a mantle for everybody who names Jesus as Lord and Saviour. My mantle is not yours. Your mantle is not mine. My, my mantle is... Am I, My mantle and your mantle is constantly growing. It's always a little bit too big for your shoulders because God wants you to grow into it. And as soon as you think you have, he wants to expand it a little further. He wants you to be a giant and not a grasshopper. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't be afraid to take up the mantle. God has specifically fashioned for you in this area. When I waited in this hour, sorry, when I waited on the Lord yesterday, this is what he spoke to me. Take up your mantle. This is for all of us. Take up your mantle. It must be a conscious decision on your part to do so. The mantle carries authority, but it also carries responsibility to speak out my words without fear or favour. Can you understand that Baruch, who was just a scribe writing down what the prophet said, When he got up on the wall of the temple or in the gate of the temple to speak out the words of the scroll over the people, all of a sudden it wasn't just something he was writing down anymore. He knew that he had to convey what he carried with authority or nobody was ever going to listen. When you say, Thus says the Lord, destruction is coming upon such and such. Or thus says the Lord, God's favor is coming upon such and such. There is a degree of authority with which you must speak those things. And to speak with the authority of the Lord means that you speak without fear or favor. It doesn't matter where you're whether you're standing before what you consider to be a peasant or a king. They are both equal in God's eyes in terms of your responsibility to speak out what he gives you because God is going to give you words in this hour and you're going to go, really? Am I going to say this to that person? And God's going to say yes. And when you say yes, guess what? Your mantle gets a little bit bigger. Every time you step out in obedience to the Lord, your mantle grows. Every time you refuse to, you'll stay where you are. God's favour is waiting for you in the next step of faith that you take. This is something that the Lord's giving me spontaneously, but I'll go back to what he's given given me yesterday. There must now be authentic voices raised up who fear the Lord more than they fear man. In a culture that has turned its back on God, someone must speak for truth or the truth will no longer be heard. There is an agenda in our culture to silence and cancel the word of God. Whatever your sphere of influence, that is your mandate. And when you are faithful within your mandate, your sphere of influence will grow. Whatever your sphere of influence, that is your mandate, to speak truth. Some will respond, others won't. Their response is not your responsibility as much as it is your responsibility to speak. When you speak, speak truth. Speak truth. And finally, he reminded me of something that he's spoken over us a number of times in the last couple of months. I have set the open door before you. You know that scripture from Revelation? I I think I preached on it within the last few weeks. I have seen your works and seen your faithfulness. I have set an open door before you. God reminded me of that and he said, I've set the open door before you, but only you can step through it. God opens the door occasionally. He will sovereignly give you a big shove in the back and you go through the door. But for the most part, he's asking us to take responsibility for stepping through the open door and he will prove his faithfulness as we step through. Otherwise, it's not a walk of faith. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Ah. Uh. Got to give it to you. Yeah, the blessing would be good. Uh, before I ask the worship team to uh, to close our service in blessing today, I'm making an invitation for all of you to take part in a prophetic act. And uh, I trust that whatever room you're in, you'll be able to do this. I'll just suggest to you if you're in bed or on the couch, you need to get up, stand up and make sure there's a little bit of room in front of you. Because I believe that there is a prophetic act that the Lord wants us to take this morning. And that prophetic act is to receive the mantle that God has specifically fashioned for each one of us and step through the open door before us. So in other words, my prophetic act, I'll move away from here so you can see what I'm doing, would look something like this. I'm putting on this mantle and I'm stepping forward a couple of steps through the open door that the Lord has already made for me. I believe that there is incredible power in a prophetic act. It's also a demonstration in the physical that we were serious about what God wants to do through us in the spiritual realm, which, of course, is reflected in the physical realm. So I would just invite you to follow me in, this, in these prophetic words and this prophetic action. And I'll take this slowly so you can repeat the words after me. Lord Jesus, Jesus. I bow before you now now. and I receive the mantle that you have prepared for me. I I put it upon my shoulders shoulders. and and I stand in faith before the open door that you have set before me. I receive your authority. I receive your authority. I receive your responsibility. I receive your responsibility. I receive the words that you're going to give me. I receive the words that you're going to give me. And in the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who, I step through the open door. The open door. Into, what you have for me. Into what you have for me, and I declare, and I declare before all the heavenly realms, all the heavenly realms. that though I might see that I might that though I might see myself as weak, that I may see myself as weak, the Word of God says, the, the Word of God says that His strength, His strength is perfected in my weakness. Perfected in my weakness. Lord Jesus, I receive your strength this morning. Lord Jesus, I receive your strength this morning. And I step into everything that you have prepared for me. And I step into everything that you have prepared for me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Lord, I just thank you for that impartation that's coming upon those who've joined us on live stream. I thank you, Father God, for the impartation being received by everybody in our worship team and tech team. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this season. I invite you people at home, just receive, receive right now, just receive by faith the weight of glory that is coming upon you in this moment. I thank you, Father God, that inhibitions and fears and cowardice Terror, night terrors are being dispatched into the pits of hell right now by the power of your spirit. I thank you, Father God, that faith and hope are arising now as your people respond to you, as your people step forward into what you have for them. I thank you, Lord, for the glorious testimonies that are coming out of this simple prophetic act. I thank you, Lord, for authority. I thank you, word, for Lord, for the prophetic word that is going to reach the hearts of people in everybody's sphere of influence. I thank you, Father God for the salvations that come, the deliverances that come, the healings that come, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that you are doing what you have always said you will do. You are looking for the obedience of your people and I declare you have found that obedience that you are looking for in us, yes. in the name of Jesus. Those of you joining us on live stream, receive the blessing of the Lord this morning. Receive the blessing of the Lord this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, worship team.